Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now on with Monkey Tennis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Monkey Tennis is brought to you in association with White City Water Installations. Whether you're looking for a beautiful fountain befitting a top international hotel or a jacuzzi big enough to hold at least five men, we're the ones to call. We are the industry leaders when it comes to the installation of stunning water features, having worked with eminent clients such as the BBC and Pear Tree Productions since 1992. If you want to spend lots of money on expensive items, White City Water Installations are here to help. Our fountains are designed to make a loud dripping noise whilst also clearly representing a fountain of knowledge. Our famous jacuzzis were the first to ever be seen on a UK chat show and feel as refreshing as a tropical fruit drink. Contact us for a quote today. Monkey tennis? You better believe it, babe. There's a new chat in town. Monkey tennis? Ice white shoes, ice white socks with navy blue double cadet strong. Aha! Monkey tennis? I've just been told that Roger Moore is at Chiswick Roundabout. Monkey tennis? Oh, what the heck? Rock and roll, it's all of a pair! Monkey tennis? Yes, I am in a jacuzzi sipping spunt! Alan, 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 Alan! And on that bombshell! Monkey tennis? Hello and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. We are going to be tackling Knowing Me, Knowing You, the TV series starting today with episode one. So uh, I'm Adam Brooks, Knowing Me, Adam Brooks, Knowing You, Tom Dark, aha. Aha. Knowing Me, Adam Brooks, Knowing You, Nicole, aha. Aha. Knowing Me, Adam Brooks, Knowing You, Tom Stab, aha. Aha. I feel like that's an excessive mention of my own name. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you've always wanted. Though, are we going to do that in every episode? 
Probably not. No. <laughs> what, what if, basically, Adam is the Alan Partridge of this podcast yes. now. That's it. So some background notes. Uh, this was first broadcast on the 16th of September, 1994. Uh, I also found out that in Finland, it's called Kokuna Tukiola Show. Which, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. How I, did you find that out? Uh, IMDb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, uh, trivia section. The, uh, the li- the literal, did you know? The literal <laughs> translation of that is the Rule the Roost Show which is a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. um, also, speaking of IMDb, the description of this show is very lacking. They basically say, it's a mock of a TV show. Already not a correct sentence, is it? <laughs> it's a, a mock of a TV show where the host is rude to many of his guests. <laughs> well, that bit's accurate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. but if someone sold the show to me on that basis, I would not watch it. <laughs> yeah, true, true. The okay. Commissioner Bell is not wrong. So Alan's been given his own show. How though? Because if you uh, have listened to our previous episodes of uh, On The Hour and The Day Today... He's uh, not exactly a consummate professional. How's he got here? That's a very How's good point. Who commissioned this? Do they, do they cover that in iPartridge? How he actually got this TV commission? Uh, I don't know. Oh. Adam, I thought you were a resident. Oh, I- yes. No, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Who does know? He's got it. Well, yes, I do. But it also throws up a bit of an inconsistency. Um, I, I can tell you how... I can't tell you how it got commissioned for radio, but I can tell you how it made the jump to TV. Right. Um, Oh, just to be clear, we're going to be talking about the TV series here rather than the radio series. You can uh, research that in your own time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we thought it's, it's easier to go back and watch a TV show because yeah. it's, it's available online, it's on DVD. The radio shows, I'm not actually sure if they're commercially available anywhere at the moment. Just um, YouTube, I know. I gave a, like, a courtesy listen yeah. on YouTube. Um, and also, I think it's a lot of the, kind of the character ideas are kind of repeated in the TV show as well. They might slightly change the character, but you do get some repetition of stuff so yeah we've we've gone tv because it felt like the bigger the bigger thing to go with so between the radio version and the tv version in, uh, according to i partridge he cornered tony hairs and said are you going to put this baby on the goggle box or what um <laughs> which confused me a bit because i thought in 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 a latter episode of this series uh well actually no in the christmas special uh tony hairs is introduced as a new commissioning editor isn't he but, uh, yes, he but is, according yeah. to White Partridge, he commissioned this for TV in the first place. We've uncovered... We've com- yeah, another comms yeah. bomb. Yep. Yeah. A com- yeah. Com- but the uh, the thing, I guess, with uh, I Partridge is he is painting uh, a very false picture of the Partridge reality. That's it's a, true. It's a very sort of jaded, very one-sided... Yeah. Yeah. He's an unreliable narrator, so, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, uh, I feel like the truth is not necessarily being put down on... on he's he's playing with the truth Absolutely. somewhat. Yeah. Um, also, just a quick note about the theme tune. Uh, according to the book, it's re-recorded by the Jeff Lovell Orchestra, uh, for radio at least, uh, because ABBA demanded a royalty and uh, Adam was not prepared to pay. <laughs> <laughs> do you want some uh, Know Me, knowing You facts, the song? Yes. Yes, let's do it. Uh, released in February 1977, reached number one in the UK chart. You must uh, remember that fondly, Tom. Uh, <laughs> yep, very good. <laughs> uh, and currently has 12.8 million plays on Spotify. That's all I've got. That's pretty huge. What, okay. are, the app, what are the Apple Music figures? Uh, null and void. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's talk a little bit about the opening credits. Oh, please. Um, Amazing. Please. Yeah. That, that uh, chair that kind of flies in um, reminds me of the chair that you had once. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Lovely leather had chair. a uh, red version of yes. that. I did, yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> which lo- you still got, I'm pretty Lovingly sure. donated by my granddad, God rest yep. his soul. But unfortunately, no, it sustained a horrifying crack and... Uh, after trying to salvage it, we uh, we had to put it out for the binman. Oh dear, oh, yeah, sad times. God, I love that chair. My, um, sorry, you go. I was just going to say they're clearly trying to make the chair and couch happen, aren't they? In the in the opening credits, they're trying to make it iconic, like the mastermind chair. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it, 
it's never going to work because it's a really ugly <laughs> chair. And like, it's a bit presumptuous to put that in the credits of the first show. Like, nobody gives a shit about that chair. Why is it point. also flying through space? Why not? I don't understand. Why is it going through space? My favourite bit is his face on the keyboard that yeah, goes yeah. massive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also love his face on the microphone. It yeah. like flies towards the it's screen an, as well. A, ni- a nice callback to some of the transitions in uh, the day-to-day where yes. you see him. Yeah, really naff face, graphics. Yeah, his face <laughs> imprinted onto then runs away. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody want to hazard a guess at how many times Alan's face appears during the credit sequence? Five. Ooh. Nick's saying six. five. All right, Tom Dark's saying six. I'll go four then. And Tom Stab's going four. Bearing in mind, I imagine Alan himself has probably had a pretty heavy hand in how prominent. Okay, he twenty-seven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His face appears eighteen times. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we were way off. Wow, Um, there's also uh, apparently a little uh, sort of a little thing for the keen eye to look out for in the opening credits. Over the course of this series, the size of his name in proportion to knowing me, knowing you, grows with every episode. I did not know that in the actual credit sequence itself. Uh, I believe, or maybe it's behind him in the studio. I think it's in the studio. studio. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Because in the commentary, uh, Ianucci basically says that in Alan's head, he's hoping that people start calling it the Alan Partridge Show. So he just wants the Alan Partridge (laughs) Show. Yeah. Yeah. I also noted in the opening credits that in a real chat show of this kind the guests would probably appear in the opening credits if you look at you know Jonathan Ross or Graham Norton you see little clips of people who've been on the show not here just no, Alan no. 18 <laughs> Alans it's all, it's all about Alan yeah as he enters obviously he does a trademark aha yeah and uh, I, I would say the, the sort of the the opening kind of few moments of the show kind of go quite well. The chat is quite yeah. funny. Uh, he describes it as a JFK kind of night. I'm not sure what he <laughs> means by that, though. Is that a good thing or a bad it's thing? It's you'll remember where you were when you saw it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. Like you'll remember where you were when JFK <laughs> was shot and killed. Um, <laughs> He also obviously gets out his fake chat guns. There's a different uh, a different weapon in every episode. Yep. But yeah. does remember to holster them again. <laughs> <laughs> Even fictitious guns need to be safe. I feel like Alan's very good when it comes to his mime, whether it's a mimed gun battle, whether it's miming playing bass guitar. He he really believes yeah. in those moments. Yep. Um, oh, Nick, as you mentioned, he said, I like to think people in 30 years will remember what they were doing when I first said, aha. Uh, it was on the 16th of September, 1994. Can you remember what you were doing? Ooh... It was either, I think it was at school. I think I was just working hard at school. <laughs> well <laughs> done. So hard. Yeah, just well, we, assume double maths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did make a note that it's uh, much with Alan Partridge, how the intros are always the same. Uh, you do have the thing where, yeah, you've got some kind of mimed weaponry type yep. entrance. Um, always some kind of pun on the word chat. Uh, followed by a really awkward chat with Glenn Ponder. Yep. So, Nick, I mean, you, you say you feel like it starts quite well. I think it quite quickly descends when he starts chatting with Glenn they start talking (laughs) over each other it just goes really awkward very quickly and that's the first sign that Maybe this chat show isn't going to go quite so smoothly. Yep. <laughs> he also pronounces it mezzanine. It's <laughs> not acceptable. And, um, and he, the set is modelled on the lobby of a top international hotel. Tom, I have a question. As someone who has spent a bit of time in and around the recording of TV chat shows, can you give us an insight into how much of rehearsal would have gone into yeah. this? What would their day have been like in Great the lead question. up to the recording? Sure, sure. I, I could talk You've you gone straight that. for an expert yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, you've got an expert in the room there, guys, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, well, with any chat show, you'll have a rehearsal rehearsal in the day stabs falling asleep already i mean you asked me the question pal <laughs> yeah, no. uh, yeah basically yeah you'd have a run-through of the whole show yeah so not necessarily not with the guests but in terms of 
all the intros and outros for the guests and any any bits between the host would so glenn and alan would have prepped for this in theory yes yeah. but yeah. in reality no, no. yeah <laughs> i have another question do you obviously this is this is broadcast as live allegedly do yeah. do yeah. any shows still broadcast absolutely live now or is everything subject uh, to a, a delay, short delay it? yeah uh, well no most of ross isn't live it's done like yeah, there's a recording. But I mean, things, things like X Factor and stuff, do you know, does it go out kind X of... X Factor's live, yeah. But like literally to live straight away or is there like a five oh, second well, I delay? I think everything in has case, a slight in few case, second delay. In case Dermot does a swear. Because yeah. didn't they introduce it after um, Sean Ryder swore on TFI Friday? Or maybe, oh, I can't remember. Uh, well, well, Sean Ryder got banned from Channel 4 for life <laughs> after that <laughs> happened. <laughs> they had him back though when they got TFI Friday back. When, yeah. Oh, the same series that Alan uh, guest, guest hosted. Exactly. Yeah. I was there. It was great. Um, at this point, he uh, he's claiming that Roger Moore is coming. And, and at this point, <laughs> I think when I first watched it, I did believe that, yeah. was, that was real. That was likely to... We were likely to see Roger Moore. What's, what do we think the reality of this situation is, though? Because he's, appara- well, he's apparently speeding to the studio in a lovely Vauxhall Carlton. But, <laughs> but is he actually coming to the studio? Like, Well, I mean, we, we know the answer. Yeah, but what's actually <laughs> happened? In, in Alan's world or in the real world? Either. <laughs> I, don't well, I don't understand your question. In Alan's world, Roger Moore is, is basically on his way, but seems to be in no hurry to actually make it onto the chat I, I guess I'm saying, is he a booked guest? Uh, if so, why hasn't he turned up? Oh yeah, he's a booked guest, but I think he's got a, he's got a busy schedule. He's yeah. just and, not bothered. Yeah. And Alan and team, as, uh, as relative They're putting a brave amateurs, face on things, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Haven't left enough of a time So buffer. it's fair yeah. to say that this one isn't 100% Alan's fault. Just production staff have well, got things wrong. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I yeah. don't think yeah. he's. Yeah, he's not responsible for this. It's bad traffic. Is you know. Yeah, it's, um, it's traffic on the Chiswick roundabout. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. But some things are going better. For example, for the first time ever on a chat show, he's got a beautiful fountain. And uh, <laughs> I'll talk about it a bit in later episodes. But he, uh, whenever he does a oh for the for the first time ever on a chat show, it tends to be a water feature, which suggests that they basically have just plumbed a hose through the studio and are using it each week. To bring you a world first, whether it's a fountain or a, a yeah. jacuzzi or whatever. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Before we go any further, do you want? Uh, has anyone got any Glen Ponder facts about uh, the person who plays him and stuff like that? Yeah, I got a few bits and pieces. So Steve Brown, Steve isn't Brown it? is the is the well, quote unquote actor, but um, he's actually a genuine composer. Um, yeah. He's worked with Coogan yeah. for years, so he did yep. themes to I'm Alan Partridge. Uh, he worked on the Tony Farino phenomenon special, and there was an album as well that I'm not aware of. And uh, he did the theme to TV Burp as well. Yep, and he uh, he produced and performed uh, on Harry Hill's film. Uh, he was a producer on the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Wow. Um, and he was nominated for an Olivier Award. Mm. Yeah. Big facts. Yeah, yeah, he's a big deal. In fact, he did he did a lot of Coogan stuff, didn't he? Steve, yeah. Steve Coogan Live, Paul and Pauline Calf's Cheese and Ham Sandwich, Steve Coogan The Man <laughs> Who Thinks He's It, the Tony Farino Phenomenon, and uh, and Steve Coogan Live in Lude, which I think was one of his very early stand-ups. Yeah. Obviously, he's flanked by Chalet this week. The band name changes every <laughs> week. There's no insight anywhere no, as to no. why that... I think that's the point, isn't it? That, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, just, I feel like that's kind of... It, it's an easy gag because it's... It, it is ridiculous. It's always a ridiculous name, and it makes explaining. no sense. If yeah. I if I was to hazard a guess at why, though, if I had to pin it down, I would say it's something to do with if you've got a regular band there for six seasons, you ha- or six episodes, you have to pay them more. I <laughs> yeah, think, maybe it's, I a, like, it's, a, it's a PRS get yeah, out. I, exactly. Yeah. I think he's getting like getting off paying them properly on a technicality. Um, there is a band in real life called Chalet on Spotify. They have twenty one monthly <laughs> listeners, <laughs> and their most popular song has under a thousand plays. Um, they released an album called Tucson in twenty thirteen, and it's actually pretty good. 
have a listen to it. I recommend you check them out. We'll probably put a link on the socials. See if we can double their monthly listening yeah. figures. There was another band called The Chalets, who were an Irish five-piece between 2001 and 2008 and had singers including uh, Roni and Pee. <laughs> <laughs> Chalet facts for you there. <laughs> um, also, just a bit of uh, Alan and Glenn origins. Uh, when Alan met Glenn, he was a band conductor, but was also responsible for collecting the coins that were thrown at the band. Yeah. <laughs> who, what coins that are thrown at a band? Is that a thing? Well, he, well, I it think is, the, it the, is if the band's terrible. Yeah, I yeah, think the okay. joke is that the band weren't good. Oh, yeah, right. That's, that's, that's the, joke. the joke. There's several the references joke. to him basically saving Glenn Ponder from like wine bar obscurities. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 I was. I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the set design. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think I've got this note it's as just, well. Well, it's just. I mean, it's 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 kind of awful, but I guess it's also this is what 1994, so it's very in keeping with mid 90s. It's pastel colours. <laughs> As you say, the, the chair and the table, they're awful. <laughs> um, but al- also, I, I, for me, looking at just like the way it's lit, the type of music, the, Alan, the outfits Alan has, his haircut, the way he introduces guests, it seems like it's all really based on Wogan, basically. So, yeah. Um, and the fact that he even references it being filmed at BBC TV Centre in Shepherd's Bush. So, Wogan was the main BBC One chat show from 82 to 92. And if you go back and look at clips of that on YouTube, it's, I, I feel for me that must have been a major, major inspiration behind how they want the whole aesthetic of this show to look and a big yeah. inspiration behind the Alan character as so well. So are we to assume that Partridge has taken over from Wogan as the primetime chat show yeah, host? Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that would kind of fit, yeah. So are we to assume that this is BBC One Saturday night, 10pm or 10.30pm or whatever? Is this what we're assuming? Well, it w- what in real life? Well, if this, you know, in the Alan world, in the Alan in world, universe, I, I, this... in the Alan world, I think he he would definitely sell it as he was the new Wogan. Yeah, no, yeah. but I mean, it's like, I is this going no. out as prime time? You don't, don't think? So. I don't think it's going out as prime time. And I think I think the main bit of evidence for that is that it is down the line you see what he's replaced with, and I don't think what he's replaced oh, with yeah. is, yeah, is yeah, a yeah. show that would go out to a prime time yeah. audience. And actually, even in the Alan world, it, it's a BBC yeah. Two show, not a BBC One right. show. Yeah, but, but that, that's very Alan, isn't it? It's like he thinks he's finally made it he's got his own chat show but it's on BBC2 not BBC1 so you reckon it's, it's probably on at 10 30, not 9 or right. something like that yeah I've also been vindicated in terms of viewing figures so I think we talked in a previous episode yes. about how, how many viewing figures we thought this would have and I said I thought it was easily north of 8 or 9 million and was lambasted uh, <laughs> well later in a later episode they say that it's been losing a million viewers an episode so that means it must have started with at least 7 yeah good point because you yeah. would think that, that in, in that sort of slot a chat show would be sort of what the program what the schedule would be kind of built around it would be like that would be the highlight of that although day. you are talking about fictional viewing figures here anyway yeah. of course <laughs> that's, so that's, that's very true real. I don't what, know what what I'd, I'd, I'd really love to know what the actual viewing figures for this were back in 94 but I I couldn't find that anywhere unfortunately it predates the internet that's the problem yeah, with well, knowing yeah, it's yeah, much yeah, harder exactly. to just look stuff up on IMDB and present it <laughs> as if we've done some work <laughs> if anyone involved wants to let us know those numbers then please do get in touch <laughs> um, another note on the set design is that it's just been badly designed as well for example uh, Glenn Ponder's mezzanine is or mezzanine <laughs> is, is way too it's high it's so yeah. high to yeah. the point that Alan's craning his neck now and in a later episode has to basically get yeah. a sort of cr- a literal crane to, it. But, so but, but again that's that's perfect partridge isn't it everything every, He's tr- he's trying to kind of overreach basically, so he wants everything to be bigger, better, taller, whatever, and it just doesn't really work in yeah. terms of how a real show would. Because Glenn has to sort of peer over and sort of try and speak to yeah uh, yeah yeah, it just yeah. doesn't work. Glenn's like putting his back out trying to sort of conduct yeah. the the drum yeah. cues yeah. and talk at the same time. And I think um, Steve Brown actually said it was it was genuinely a nightmare to um, perform the music up there because they were so high. 
um, just like the audio was awful, so it was really hard to get a sense of how the orchestra right. was sounding. Is it a staple of, of like older chat shows of yesteryear in America and things to have a band kind of on a platform like that? I think it's quite an American thing. Like Letterman used to have a house band, yeah. didn't he? And, but like um, specifically on a platform above the action. Jonathan Ross have one, though? No. no. You used to have four puffs and a piano. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. I'm talking mainly about like having them up on this kind of, on this mezzanine. I don't know about a platform. The only other show I can think of is the Friday Night Project that, that did that, that revived that. With Justin Lee Collins. Yeah. <laughs> Bad times. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, it's just a weird thing. It's yeah, a, yeah. Bit of an, a bit of a chat show anomaly. Shall we move on to the first guest of the series? Let's. Yep. Harking back to Alan's sports presenter past. Mm, um, so we've got uh, Sue, Lewis, Sue Lewis, world champion show jumper played by the incredible Rebecca Front. Uh, lady show jumping horse legend. I okay. <laughs> oh well, there's not my words. Yeah, uh, Rebecca Front. Obviously, we've talked about before. She is an incredible human being, a wonderful actress, and basically everything she's ever been in has been good. All right, Adam, chill yeah, out. You want to marry her? She is. I, I think she's. She. I, I would generally be more starstruck meeting her than probably anybody in Rebecca. Hollywood. File your court injunction now. <laughs> yeah. I think. Can, Can I, I run through some of the brilliant programs she's been in just quickly? Yes. War and Peace. Excellent. Humans generally good <laughs> psycho bitches the wrong man's death comes to Pemberley the thick of it grandma's house which is underrated I love grandma's house nighty night big train people like us fist of fun absolutely fabulous and the smell of Reeves and Mortimer yeah. she knows how to choose a good comedy that's yep. for sure yep. she did say as well so the Sue Lewis character was her favourite character to play in Naomi ah. Naomi as well nice um, so obviously the, the format of this is that there's a revolving cast of actors in real life I'm talking about now who play different characters in each show. Yes, uh, so you've got Rebecca Front, Patrick Marber, Dean McCain, uh, David Schneider. It's normally, they normally all feature in an episode in some way. Yeah, and it was, I, I used to play a sort of fun game where as he's describing his next guest, I would try and guess which of them was going to be the person playing it. Okay, so that's an interesting question. So we're talking, this was what, September 94. Did everybody watch this? originally when it aired no. no i think i saw it on a repeat run so maybe like a few years later like um, maybe 95 or something like yeah that. something like that it was before i'd seen iron man and partridge though so it was pre-97 yeah. i guess because we talked about the day-to-day -day and it seemed like possibly i was the only one that watched the day-to-day -day when that was there all of this i came to many years later on dvd I def yeah, yeah. I, I did i'm on partridge nick did you not watch the day-to-day -day at university yeah that's what i mean many years later at university yeah. on dvd but not in the 90s so when this was being broadcast or, you know, repeated, I didn't see it. Yeah, okay. Because, I mean, I, I remember watching this in the 90s. And again, that thing where just being, because I was only 12 and being slightly unsure to begin with, is this going to be a real chat show well, or I not? And it's only when you start seeing the guests, you're like, oh, okay, it's that. It took me a good 20 minutes, I think, when I first saw it, to be absolutely sure. <laughs> when the horse I, did a poo. Because I, <laughs> I knew that Alan was a character, but I thought they might be doing a chat show where... Alan's in character interviewing real people, yeah. which would actually yeah, be but quite it's kind good. Of, they are talking. There was some talk about that potentially happening in in the future, right? Well, because I mean, he's done TFI Friday in character. He's been on Jonathan yep. Ross and I think Graham Norton in character yeah. as well. Yep, promoting so, the book. Yeah. I guess the issue is how how well you can improvise that character because obviously mm. it's very well written. So to be able to do it on the yeah. hoof and respond to real people is tricky. I think it's hard. Well, I think they did even doing this show. I think there was quite a large improvisational element to it because uh, Coogan writes in his autobiography about um, he had a clipboard so he had kind of bullet points of where to take the script but it wasn't strictly scripted and he also had an earpiece uh, to Armando Iannucci so mm -hmm. okay. sometimes Armando would give him directions or be like say this or whatever so 
it was slightly improvised for the Naomi knowing you episode. And in terms of framing as well, they'd say like, move, like the, there's an example with the when the horse poos later yes. on. He says like, move a little bit yeah, to yeah. the left in the earpiece. Yeah, so you see him shift so to get the poo in the background. Yeah, yeah, and and it, actually that's something he writes about specifically in the autobiography that um, Armando gave him stage directions for that and. Because it was behind him, he couldn't even see it. He didn't know it happened. So that was a complete coincidence. Yeah, that was because yeah, yeah. the timing it, of it's perfect. Yeah, you would you would think that they engineered that. Yeah. but that was a, that that was genuine. That is a perfect in, bit of. A... In the commentary, Rebecca Front says one of the questions she gets asked most about Alan Partridge is how did they get the horse to crap on cue? Yeah, <laughs> so that was what I originally put in my notes. I wondered how difficult it was to orchestrate that happening, and it turns out it was a it was just a genuine moment. Yep, Lovely. TV gold. Anyway, more horse chat later in the show. So yeah, the first guest already a potential disaster or a quiet disaster but again i think with this one uh it, it's not it's not 100% alan's fault because to be fair to him the guest is quite poor yeah. she's not speaking up she hasn't really got much to say she can't so even not <laughs> she can't even say aha correctly she, either no. he's not got much to work with here so her, her first answer to his question is i don't know yeah. So, <laughs> it's a bit of a Where recurring theme, isn't it? Is that it is that Alan is terrible, but all elements of the show are terrible. The set's been badly designed. The guests are poor bookings. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. the concepts haven't been thought through. All that's you know, like the horse jump bit that's coming up. Yeah, I think yeah. he asks her to speak up about four times in the first twenty <laughs> seconds that they're speaking <laughs> yeah. to each other. Um, I also like sorry that the uh, the unique fountain is already really off putting. Uh, the sound is so basically he turns yeah. the fountain yeah. off within a few minutes of introducing it, saying, uh, but then reminds you that it was there to represent the fountain of knowledge yeah. and it's been switched off <laughs> there just, will be no knowledge yeah. I had this vision whilst watching this just thinking there must be someone from the commissioning department like on the side of the stage watching this unfurl and just thinking this is an absolute disaster I've got five more episodes <laughs> of this shit to do yeah. what have I done <laughs> this is awful oh yeah and then obviously uh, he sort of accidentally uh, points to all the kind of the tricks of the chat show trade by going you know You've got an anecdote. Do it now. Obviously, yes. it's supposed to be <laughs> nat- natural. But uh, yeah. again, though, he's. Tr- I think he's trying to help her. He's feeding her information and trying to sort of, you know, give her something to he's work with. He's doing his with. best, yeah. isn't he? He's doing his best. Hawaii, uh, exotic location. <laughs> give me spice. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, the uh, another thing I got from the commentary was that in the original script, it had uh, Sue Lewis, Rebecca Front's character, talking a lot more. Um, and it was actually Front's idea that the character would be uh, would speak less, and and the f- that the first guest on Alan's show should be completely rubbish. So that <laughs> yeah. was actually her yeah. idea. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, she she is credited as a co-writer on this episode, so that yep. she's work. after that writing credit. <laughs> whilst he's whilst uh, Sue is trying to kind of deliver this anecdote, which is essentially a horse needed a bit of a drink. Anecdote. <laughs> 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 just as she's slowly getting there with the information, Alan does have to cut her off and give a Roger Moore update, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that kind of peppers the whole show. That whenever yeah. uh, uh, anything's kind of happening, Alan will interrupt everything and give uh, an update on where Roger Moore currently is. So. At this point, Roger is at Heston Services, which is approximately <laughs> 11 miles and 34 minutes do from we, uh, BBC Television Centre. Okay. Do we think he's requested a stop for uh, maybe some strawberry nest <laughs> <laughs> Um He tries to bring on the horse, obviously, uh, and gets her to do the jump, but she can't because it will break the horse's legs. Uh, and the, horse is, the horse is Please up don't break my Alan's sleeve. <laughs> yep, the horse is up Alan's sleeve and a new regular <laughs> section of the show. Um, yeah. The lengths, also, the lengths he goes to to reference ABBA in every introduction is astounding, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? so tenuous brilliant um uh, sue lewis at the end of this interview mouths sorry about that to alan as well. <laughs> oh, i missed that uh, yeah. did you all make a note uh how does alan suggest they get the horse to do the jump uh, when, oh by attaching sponges yes. to its <laughs> <hooves>. <laughs> he says can we gaffer tape some sponges to the horse's legs 
I don't think that would work. Oh dear. Um, are we on to the next guest? I think Keith we are. Hunt. Keith Hunt, the presenter of the Looney Breakfast Show on Radio Leeds, and now the new uh, <laughs> presenter of This Is Your Life. Um, uh, played by Patrick Marber. Yeah, and loosely based apparently on Chris Evans at the time. Ah, uh, that makes sense. I, I think actually this will be an interesting thing as we go through this series if we can try and identify because I feel like most of the chat guests are loosely based on real celebrities. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's quite easy to identify. Sometimes I think it's a bit of a mix of people. Are you right? You're not wrong. There he is. <laughs> uh, very Didn't good. even practice that. Uh, hey, amazing. Uh, important to note that the horse herds are still very much <laughs> throughout <laughs> most of this yes, interview. That is the first thing in my notes about that. Just Patrick Marber, actually, it's probably worth discussing briefly. So Marber was pretty much the driving force behind Alan becoming his this uh, standout character. So after the On the Hour series, it was Marber that suggested to Yunichi and Coogan that um, they develop Alan into a spin-off chat show, which they did with Radio 4 first, and because it went so well, they decided to take it to TV, and then at the same time they developed the day-to-day and Knowing Me, Knowing You. So as we talked about in the previous episode, they decided to introduce Alan through the day-to-day to then lead on to this. Uh, and reading Coogan's autobiography, again, he he has a lot of kind words to say about Marber being a real mentor for, for him when he started out in comedy, working on things like the day-to-day. He's sort of the unsung hero of Partridge, I guess. Yeah, well, I think I think part of that may be. It seemed, for, and again, in Coogan's book, he doesn't really go into why, but him and Marber just kind of drifted apart. Mm. Well, and think... whereas he says that him and uh, Coogan and Yanucci, even though they've been working closely together for years, he had a closer bond with Marber. Mm. So it's quite interesting how as you get into the I'm Alan Partridge years, it's very much a Coogan, Yanucci and Peter Bainham type vehicle. And Marber's kind of not involved by that point. I think it's possibly because I'm, I'm making... Uh, massive assumptions. Massive assumptions, yeah. But I think just Marber went in a completely different direction, didn't he? he, he I think he was moved... a playwright. He wanted yeah. to move away from acting and perhaps go into writing a bit more and, mm. become, and become a playwright. Um, and I'm, I think that's such a shame because he's probably my favourite actor in this series. He's so good in every episode. Yeah. I did he note as well that most of the characters he plays are kind of smarmy shits as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, kind of, he's very good at uh, doing a character type like Being that. Being sort of self-satisfied. Yeah, 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 and uh, and it's it's illustrated quite nicely here because uh, there's a lot of false humility in this bit where mm. where basically Alan sort of uh, pretend was well, says oh, I've got a copy of the local paper with yeah. a story oh, about how you don't you, embarrass me. Yeah, exactly. But then, it, but, then <laughs> but then thanks him later for bringing yeah. the cutting in himself. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and Roger like, Moore is at Chiswick Roundabout at this point as well. Yeah, I've it, also got some details on that. Uh, <laughs> Chiswick Roundabout is approximately 4.3 miles from Old Television oh, Centre. So, so he could have made, he's made, it. made very so, good time. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's approximately 19 minutes away at this point. This implies to me is that <laughs> he's ro- just going to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. it well, is, is, yeah. is that he could easily have made it, but he in the end chooses to go to the hotel yeah. instead of to yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, you can imagine him in the car going, oh, well, no, it's probably not worth it now. Yeah. Um, so uh, Alan's got something else up his sleeve. Uh, yeah. It's Keith's son, Sam, who he's not allowed to speak <laughs> yeah, to directly. So he, looks, he looks terrified yeah. when he comes yeah. out. Because his, mar- his marriage, as Alan described it, was dissolved. It's yeah. <laughs> an odd term to use. <laughs> Like some kind of business. Yeah. And uh, it then it then turns out that he's also forgotten his own son's birthday. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Who is the biggest asshole here? Partridge for surprising the Keith son. with the son or Keith Hunt forgetting that it's his son's birthday. What is the worst of the two things there? Uh, well, well Al- Alan's humiliating. Yeah, I think it's got to be Alan. He's foisted it on him on national television. Yeah. I yeah, think he I couldn't think. prep for it. And there, it's live. But it feels like, do, does Alan do that deliberately because he doesn't like Hunt? Yeah, so I was just yeah. about to ask that. I can't remember. Is there anything in the show that 
sort of preempts this in well, that they don't like each other. Well, they're each other because um, Hunt says to Partridge, we couldn't ha- when they're talking about this is your life, he says we couldn't have you on the show, we only have celebrities. I so they clearly don't like each other. There could be a pre-existing yeah. dislike because they were both in similar positions. Yeah. Both in local the, radio. He was doing the breakfast well, yeah. show in Leeds. Yeah, exactly. And they've both graduated to new shows, but arguably Keith Hunt's is the much bigger yeah. prospect. Because yeah. he kind of interacts with the crowd and they kind of um, you know call his uh, catchphrase back. Whereas I feel like Alan's is a much more kind of like, maybe there's an illuminated sign to prompt people to uh, kind of call back to him. But I feel like Keith has a much more natural kind of engagement with the crowd. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking Alan is jealous of Keith's success. So you think, so you think the up Alan sleeve is, is a deliberate premeditated yeah. setup? The yeah. child he's got up his sleeve uh, is, basically, <laughs> is basically to humiliate it's just a, on it's national an up TV. Yours to hunt. Yeah. It makes sense because he's also, as we find out, colluded with the kid's yes. mum yeah. to, to get them all expenses paid. I, I think Hunt's <laughs> but worse Keith cannot go. <laughs> I think Hunt's worse here because he's forgotten his own child's birthday. Yeah, I'm not inexcusable. We're not excusing him, but I think the you know putting him on national TV is probably yeah. But Alan's Alan's bought him a trip to Disneyland. (laughs) Keith can't go. Yeah, but that's that's yeah. But Alan still bought him a holiday. That's fine. I uh, and, I love and a tie and blazer badge uh, combination pack. First as well. appearance. Um, I uh, I love the I love <laughs> that he remembers Denise what? and Fernando's birthday, and then it says even horses get presents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it talks about Sam six. He's six. Am I right? I'm not wrong. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. owns him. Yeah, he's done be, him. He's absolutely his enemy him. for the remainder. To be fair though, episode. Keith does sort of desperately fumble in his pockets and finds ten pounds. He says, "Can you give him this?" Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Fernando's at Cambridge as well. We find out. Um, which I think it, I think he was 22 in I'm Alan Partridge Series 1, so he's in his first year at Cambridge, probably. <laughs> mm. Fernando Watch continues yeah, throughout that, uh, the series. <laughs> yeah, that Fernando kind of Origins. Yep. Uh, finally, <laughs> Alan notices the uh, steaming pile of horse mess behind him. It says live, <laughs> on, yeah. live on air. Could someone clean that shit away, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's Sophie's musical guest. One of my oh, favourites. Oh, yes. Shana, Shana McGough. McGough. Performing Monday morning, uh, which Alan's obviously only heard for the first <laughs> yeah. 20 seconds of. He That'll off. do. Book yeah, that, that's classic Alan. Yeah. He, he, well, has he listened to the first 20 seconds? Yeah. Uh, has he listened to it at all? Probably not. <laughs> uh, played by Dean McKinnon. We will be mangling your surname for the rest of the series, Dean. Very sorry. <laughs> think, did, we, did we decide on McCain? I think so. It's not McCain. I'm sure I've heard that's how it's pronounced. We'll look it up before yeah. the next episode. <laughs> yeah, you can see how she got booked, can't yeah. you? Although he does desperately apologise to everyone after it's finished. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And her band are a dead giveaway. I mean, yeah. they're obviously, she's yeah. the one that's lit most brightly, but you can tell. <laughs> yes. it's not. You, you know where it's going as soon as they yeah. start. And he, I love that he walks on at the end of the show, basically, he follows it by just going, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I love this. During the performance, they keep cutting away to Alan. Yeah. So in the, the kind of twee beginning part of the song, he's nodding along he's loving it and when it starts going punk he looks absolutely horrified uh, I'm not so much punk I was more thinking it went a bit heavy maiden heavy maiden <laughs> yeah. yeah very heavy maiden would you buy this Brat. song oh I would yeah <laughs> it's not bad yeah no, I think it's quite good it's alright for the time isn't yeah. it uh, did, anybody, did anybody else note on the last line of the song uh, when Dune's kind of on the floor yes. and that the, li- the line is suck on this she doesn't even mime that line. No, she's like, not she's nowhere it. near the microphone. Which, like, why not just reshoot that? I did also notice um, that uh, the drummer in the band is a woman. Quick quiz question: Can you name any other female drummers in bands? Uh, yeah, there's one in Savages. All right, not you then, Tom. Uh, or, Tom uh, another Tom. Block Party. Yeah, I was going to say Block Party. The new yeah. drummers are going. Right, well, that uh, New Young Pony Club. <laughs> yeah, don't know. Oh, there's loads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I only had the cause. Uh, Sleater yeah. Kinney. Yes, okay, what we've learned is there's quite a lot of female <laughs> I drummers. I think La Tigra. <laughs> yeah, but that was good, Nick. That yeah, was yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good observation. Keep going. 
I'm really trying. Uh, Roger the Moore. cause. <laughs> I said the cause. All oh, right. Yeah, that's the one thing he had. Uh, Roger Moore's still at Chiswick Roundabout at this point yeah. as well. That is a serious traffic jam. Yeah, that, <laughs> we're, back, we're backed up for miles here, Alan. Think, it's not looking good. So he's not thinking he's not coming. No, I think. Do you think that's the point where basically whoever is updating Alan on Roger's whereabouts has started to lie because oh, yeah, he yeah. says he says what he was there five minutes ago. That yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a classic uh, TV thing with like dealing with talent when it's like they'll be ready in five minutes they'll be ready in yeah. five minutes and yeah. before you know get, five minutes he says time. yes I've just been to Roger Moore's at Chiswick Roundabout then he says what's he still doing there he shouldn't, <laughs> he shouldn't be there that's the point where the, the real timeline and, Roger, uh, uh, and the timeline Alan's yeah. getting yeah. Diver, yeah. diverged yeah. Um, so yeah uh, <laughs> the song obviously is is mainly about killing troublesome men in your life yeah. or yep. just, just general men the postman etc <laughs> uh, the gas man gets blown away I think yep. um, he deserved it I'm sure so Alan's at pain then to uh, remind the viewers that uh, murder is illegal. There's a great line. Does anyone have it? I don't. I don't think I've got it. Uh, yeah, he it's says, "Let me announce this now. If any young people are watching, let me say this: whilst it may be all well and good for rock bands to sing about such things, murder, whether it be domestic or streetbound <laughs> genocide, <laughs> is illegal in this country." All right, that's the one. Um, and because Roger Moore's stuck in traffic, he's then forced to chat to Shona as well, um, yeah. which I like because he's sort of like, "Oh, here we go. Say what you like, but you can't say it's not interesting. Please don't say that." <laughs> Did anybody else think uh, with Shona McGough and her band all sat around Alan on the sofa, it's, I feel like that was a deliberate recreation of the Sex Pistols yeah. on Bill Grundy, which yeah. is quite a famous kind of a cultural moment from the 70s. Yeah, they're, the, they're the worst kind of punks, aren't they? Oh, yeah. up yours, I'm going to be a bit Ooh. naughty yeah, and rude. Like, oh, say a rude word. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, grow or, up. As, or as Alan says, what the heck, rock and roll, let's all have a pair. <laughs> <laughs> and also tries to prove that he's got some rock credentials. Oh, yeah. I've inhaled hashish, I wore, I've worn tall shoes, I had an afro haircut, I went on an all-weekend binge at Prestatin to see Wings. <laughs> Alan so his, had an and, afro. And, yeah. and something else, he saw Krista Berg, Mike Oldfield, uh, G. Michael Jar, and the Eagles. Oh, Chris yeah. Jean Michael Jar, Jean Michel Jar, Jean Michel Jar. Who is? I don't know who that is. Jean Michel Jar, Jam Mogul, Jean Michael Jar. Jed's lost it. <laughs> I didn't know who it was. Jean oh, Michael well, Jar. That's very evident. Well, that that says Jean. <laughs> Jean. Jean. That's French. Okay. Vast swathes. Stay tuned of, for more of this. Vast swathes of women and French people <laughs> tuning out Sorry. of monkey tennis. Um, I've, I've got a weird note here. I've got. I've, I can't remember what the context was for this, but I've just got. Do you think Carol cheats on him while he's on air? He makes some sort of reference around this point that made me think. I think she's just cheating she on him in general. Does. Rather than watch the show, she's having sex with someone else. Sports pimp. <laughs> yeah. I can't blame her. Um, <laughs> so then he's forced to do the audience with Roger Moore, despite the fact Roger Moore's not turned up. Uh, he's prepared a very elaborate set. Yeah, and there's mm -hmm. lots of him explaining what would have happened. The idea was Roger would have loved this, etc. Yeah. <laughs> Even going so far as to have uh, a nipple uh, from the man with the golden gun, yep. which I thought was a bit odd. I think the Roger Moore thing, what they've kind of drawn that in from Coogan himself because he was he was a massive Bond fan, massive Roger Moore fan. So uh, he writes in his autobiography, he was obsessed with the early Bond films. He had posters of Roger Moore up on his wall when he was a teenager. So that's kind of where Coogan and Partridge kind of merging. But he's end. kind of doing a bit of a Jed Maxwell, isn't he? He's kind yeah. of, Roger Moore's going to walk into a set that's probably going to be incredibly overwhelming. and Massive a bit off, photo of a bit him. putting do you think Steve Coogan tried to get Roger Moore uh, through through Alan Partridge? Because if he's a massive fan and he's got he's at the point where he's now got a BBC series of his own, do you think he did try and get Roger Moore and they would have written this slightly differently? Uh, I don't, I I don't like, think so. No, no. I don't because I, I think you know that's 
that's it's a good gag. There's no about other the, big names. The it's actual just, big name guests that yeah. never arrive. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, describes Roger as having a lovely, warm brown voice, and then says, uh, "This was going to be marvelous. Uh, <laughs> I was going to start. Roger would have loved this, and then uh, by turning around in the in, in the chair with a big cat on his lap, yeah, yeah, one style. When uh, you hear when they finally get him on the phone, you get the hello, Alan. Is that Steve Coogan? I doing was the thinking voice? this. I think I, it might be. I think it is. I yeah. think. Oh, confirmed in the commentary. It is Steve Coogan. There we go. Uh, it did sound good though. It, it was good. good. Yeah. 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 And uh, in an echo of uh, of Sue Cook uh, writing to Steve Coogan to apologise for pulling out of events, uh, as she's referenced in I Man and Partridge. In real life, Roger Moore was uh, reportedly told off by a friend for not turning up to do <laughs> <Yeah>. the show. <laughs> oh, and there's a bit of an echo of Alan's shouting after Dan in I Man and Partridge when he's trying yeah. to get Roger back on the phone. Roger. 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 Roger! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the guests go in on him don't they oh, yeah. yeah they've lost patience he, to be fair he did invite criticism yeah uh it's kind of like he, he does this repeatedly doesn't he through all alan's output yeah you know thinks he can handle criticism until he hears it <laughs> and then goes mental but I, I love it when he loses it so he's lost all control up yours kiss my arms <laughs> he did also provide ham sandwiches to the band who are vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they just they, they compare his show to the titanic just people forget there were over a thousand miles of uneventful yeah. very pleasant cruising <laughs> in good point i did have a note about the punk song uh, well loosely called punk song monday morning it was written by jonathan whitehead and he's also written music for the day-to-day brass eye black books green wing and nathan barley among mm. others uh, and he records under the name trellis any other salient points about episode one uh just wanted to drop in a couple of things about the commentary uh, quite interestingly in every episode the commentary is always the same it's ianucci uh, rebecca front uh, marber and steve brown and they, so it's never coogan they always make a different excuse as to why he can't turn up so right. sorry steve can't be here he's in leeds or something <laughs> like that um there's actually an extra scene on the uh, dvd version which i think we from tom and i watching the dvd version says that the episodes are actually a little bit longer yeah there's there's yeah, it's kind of a deleted scene that is in, in every each, episode, yeah. each DVD version, which makes it about two or three minutes There's been longer. a few different versions, hasn't there? Because the, the original broadcast version and the DVD version and the version you can find on Netflix now, I think, are all, all subtly different in, in minor ways. Mm. Yeah, the DVD version is the longest. So in this yeah. one, the extra scene is uh, it's a, it's a short, it's a short clip of Keith Hunt presenting This Is Your Life. Um, and David Schneider is dressed as the big book uh, with oh, a yeah. red, with a painted red face and a curly wig. <laughs> so, but Keith Hunt being on the show, they basically wackied it up and made yeah. it shit. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, and just interestingly, a couple of notes on the production: uh, shows were recorded every fortnight, and then uh, back in on the Monday morning to write the next episode. So it was, all, it was all filmed in uh, genuinely in BBC TV Centre and Shepherd's Bush yeah. as well. And yeah. finally, uh, Ian Uchi, it, this is an actual quote from Ian Uchi. He says in the commentary, oh, we got away with it a bit, didn't we? Like <laughs> regarding the series as some of the scripts and something we've alluded, alluded to in previous series about how the script writing process went. A lot of the scripts weren't finished before they started always filming. Down, always down on to the wire. Yeah. how they work I mean, best. I guess like we discussed with this, there, there's definitely an element of improvisation which probably allowed them to get away with it a bit more. Um, did, did everybody make a note of how he signs off uh, with all the guests on this episode? No. No. Yeah, so obviously after he's, he's lost his, his shit with all the guests, he basically signs off as on that bombshell, Scott's Lady Woman, The Hunt, and Mrs. Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, a quick note. And, and Roger Moore's gone straight to Claridge's. <laughs> yeah. 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 Where he's yeah. room service. <laughs> yeah. An important detail that everyone needs to yeah. know, obviously. Yeah. Um, maybe a quick word about the audience as well. That uh, Obviously, it was, it was a group of people coming in knowing that they were watching a comedy show, and that yeah. is, that's often 
that, for a lot of people, I think that was the telltale sign that this wasn't real. Is that there's obviously laughter at the bits that are funny, and you know, yes. people aren't shocked how badly it's going. And uh, Coogan, again, from his autobiography, uh, he pretty much remained in character as Alan during the recording process. Mm. So if there were, I think he would come out and introduce the show to the audience in character as Alan before they started recording. Similar to what you did when you went yeah. to go see the, the show recording. Yeah, I did the I'm same, the same at the filming of I'm Out of Hartridge. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and he also writes how if there were ever technical difficulties, so like a kind of pause in recording, he would kind of talk to the audience, but fully in character as Alan the whole time. And uh, finally from me, this episode was rated 8 out of 10 on IMDb. How do we feel about that as a, as a scoring, as a, as, a, as a series opener? I think it's a strong opener. Yeah, I think it's, it's a strong fair, opener. Yeah. Score. Yeah. It sets out its stall very well. Yeah. Who actually takes the time to vote, uh, to, to rate <laughs> things on IMDb? You don't have how many votes that's based on I can on find the... that out. Okay. Well, I tell you what, while you're doing that, um, we will uh, start to gather our thoughts for Cards Against Alana. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. See? Most of you know how this works, but it's basically, imagine the game Cards Against Humanity, but uh, replaced with Alan quotes and sentences from the series. No, no, Ad- Adam, it's, it's nothing like Cards Against Humanity. For copyright <laughs> reasons, it's nothing like Cards Against uh, Humanity. So, um, let's see, have we got an answer on how many votes we've got on this episode? I do indeed. Uh, it's a score of 8 out of 10 based on 84 votes. <laughs> so, not that many. <laughs> not that many so, no. I, I do wonder how much uh, faith we should put in these IMDb <laughs> ratings, but never mind. <laughs> I'd certainly score it an eight, possibly higher. Yeah, I yeah, think that's fair. That's, that's fair. Okay, so the sentence you need to complete from this week's episode with your Cards Against Humanity cards is this week, up my sleeve, I've got. So. Uh, We've got a lot more to look through this time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We've given everybody more cards than they, uh, they can possibly use. So I've passed the cards over to producer Jed, who is not allowed to speak, um, but he is going to judge his well, favourite. Uh, he's allowed one word an episode. Do you, uh, have a, do you have a word for this episode, Jed? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's a smart one. Um, okay, so he's picked his winner. I'm going to go through the answers now. So, this week, up my sleeve, I've got murder, either domestic or street-bound genocide. This week, up my sleeve, I've got a big fat pig endlessly consuming and regurgitating what it eats without discrimination, without taste, without joy. 
Yes! <laughs> Tom Dark's taking it this week, but let's read out the rest anyway. This week up my sleeve, I've got a broken photocopier. And this week up my sleeve, I've got Nick's favourite, a lady drummer. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Remember, right, there that, are none. Yeah. So that's one, one nil for me this series. One nil one to the nil dark. for you All this right. series. More of that next week. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. A couple of quick things to tell you about. That w- One that we're very excited about. We're going to be discussing Knowing Me, Knowing Yule live at the Prince Charles Cinema in Leicester Square on Wednesday, the 22nd of November. Tickets are on sale now and you can get the details at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thepartridgepod or on twitter.com slash thepartridgepod. Similarly, if you want to get in touch with comments, complaints, suggestions and queries, uh, it's thepartridgepod at gmail.com or on Twitter, we're at thepartridgepod. So has anyone got anything else to add? No, nope, that's no. it. Okay, on that bombshell, we'll leave you. Uh, Monkey Tennis will be back next week tackling episode two of Know Me Knowing You. Uh, until then, goodbye and aha. Bye. Monkey Tennis is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepard. The artwork's by Dave McNamara and the theme is an excerpt of the Black Beauty theme, Galloping Home, by Dennis King. To find out more about the records and podcasts made by post-pop, head to postpoprecords.com. Monkey Tennis? You better believe it, babe. There's a new chat in town. Monkey Tennis? Ice white shoes, ice white socks with navy blue double cadet strong. Aha! Monkey Tennis? I've just been told that Roger Moore is at Chiswick Roundabout. Monkey Tennis? Oh, what the heck? Rock and roll! It's all of a pair! Monkey Tennis? Yes, I am in a jacuzzi sipping spunt! Alan, 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 Alan. And on that bombshell! Monkey Tennis? Aha! Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.